Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Shan. Good evening. And today we are discussing Chapter 31 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. In Chapter 31, William becomes a lieutenant, or as they say, lieutenant, because Mr. Crawford has made it happen. Mr. Crawford then proposes to Fanny. Fanny tells him she's not interested and runs away. He comes back for dinner. She tries to avoid him. He gives her a note from Mary, which she is forced to respond to, and she hopes that it will put an end to things. And that is the end of volume two. There's a line at the end of the chapter which sums it up quite well. Fanny thought she had never known a day of greater agitation, both of pain and pleasure. She is so excited that William has had his promotion. I mean, William's obviously a personable young man. He got on very well with everyone. He was good company. Henry Crawford enjoyed his company, so he was not embarrassed. Introducing him to the Admiral was a good thing, and I would say a relatively easy thing in the sense that William is a kind of character that would have fitted in well and appealed, I think, to the Admiral. And it is a good thing he's done. He has done it for somebody of whom he is obviously quite enamoured. He's told her she's about to leave. Then he took her hand and led her back to her seat and was in the middle of his father explanation before she had suspected. The opportunity was too fair and his feelings too impatient. He didn't intend to propose to her right now. If we were doing what-if scenarios... I think if he could abide his time, just enjoyed her pleasure to talk about William, for her to see him in a different environment, because up till now he has been the ultimate playboy, and she still thinks he's playing with her. She's not really sure of how serious his intent. For all she's done for William, she still can only think of how he behaved with the Westland sisters. But such were his habits that he could do nothing without a mixture of evil. I think that's a rather strong word. Again, I think what comes here is he just doesn't understand her. And he's too impatient. He wants things now. He's used to getting his own way. When we compared him to Darcy, there's that similarity there. I'm in love with you. Surely you're aware of that from my behaviour. Also, I'm used to girls throwing themselves at me. I'm used to getting my way. How could you possibly not want to marry me? And look, I'm a personable young man with a fortune. Other women would jump at this. And you saw two women who were desperately trying to get into my pants. <laughs> he has a fair reason to have a big ego. But the problem is neither he or his sister really understand her. I do feel a little bit more empathy for him than I have in the past. He is genuinely excited about this and he does seem to genuinely care for her. The problem being that he is not listening to her. We had the same thing in Pride and Prejudice with Mr. Collins. He proposed, Lizzie tried to say no four times in a row and he would not listen, which makes him kind of a bad person. At least Henry Crawford didn't go immediately and offering for Fanny's best friend. He is totally enamoured of her. And he doesn't realise what she thought of his behaviour beforehand. He still doesn't know her, though. Can he really love her if he doesn't know her, if he doesn't realise that his past behaviour would be so reprehensible to her, if he doesn't understand that his current behaviour is pressing his attentions on her is unwelcome? Elizabeth was very forthright with her rejection. But Fanny has a softness of manner. 
so isn't going to come out and say, basically, I think you're a Lothario. He doesn't get the reprimand from Fanny. He just gets the rejection. He doesn't yet know why she doesn't want to marry him. Whereas when Lizzie told Darcy off, he went, oh, actually, I've been a naughty boy. I need to pull up my socks. And he changed. Potentially, had Fanny told Henry off, it could have given him the chance to change. Had he had the time and she had the time, yes. Eventually, in a later chapter, she tells him in a roundabout way. But potentially, if she'd told him straight out, it might have had more impact. And he found himself in temptation too soon after. He spends the whole evening after the dinner trying to get her alone to talk to him and she carefully refused him every opportunity. (laughs) No doubt incredibly politely. And meanwhile, Mrs Norris, she doesn't say how much she gave William. She became quite quiet on that after she discovered her sister gave her 10 shillings, which was a lot of money in those days. Mrs Norris reddens. She thought she was... So magnanimous, giving money to William. But certainly not in the same amount that her sister had. Fanny's screened by the fidgetings of her Aunt Norris when she's reading the note from Mary. I wonder what Mrs Norris was on about then. She's like an underlying sore tooth, isn't she? She's always there. And you can't quite pull her? No, because your own ingrained good manners doesn't allow you to. There are less people to water down Mrs. Norris's presence. Henry turns up. He's so excited that he turns up while they're still at breakfast, which is potentially a little rude. It's at an hour earlier than common visiting warrants. Lady Bertram's just leaving the breakfast table, but she doesn't stop because she didn't want to take so much trouble in vain. I'm already moving. Yeah, I don't stop. <laughs> I never get up again, you know. It's such a character. I admire Lady Bertram. I want to be her, I think. Actually, I'd probably be bored quite quickly. I do have to wonder whether she's just dosed up to the eyeballs. She probably is. Henry tells Fanny, and Fanny could not speak, but he did not want her to speak. That sentence bothers me. He wants to tell her about all that he's done to bring this about, but then he says, I will not talk of my own happiness, for I think only of yours. And he's upset for not having this business finished while he was in London. It was the only thing that would have detained him half the time from Mansfield. He's making it very clear he didn't want to be away from her. But he's still talking about his own feelings and not allowing space for her to talk or for her feelings. He also refers to his uncle as the very best man in the world, completely (laughs) forgetting all the issues with him that Mary quite clearly points out. But he has got credibility not just as an admiral he's still got influence and he did and he willingly used his influence for this unknown boy on the recommendation of his nephew if william turns out to be pretty bad sailor it would still reflect upon him having recommended him and henry has done this he didn't have to do anything for william again it reminds me of how little he did for mariah and julia But he is really putting in the legwork for Fanny. And he keeps talking about his double interest, his deeper interest in twofold motives. So much so that Fanny could not have remained insensible of his drift had she been able to attend. That was the problem. She really was so excited for William. She just couldn't absorb anything else. And this is, again, his lack of empathy. 
Certainly her father was never going to get him a promotion. This is just absolutely amazing. And she needed the time to consolidate it. Henry, of course, had known about it for days. Well, he knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. But he made it very clear as soon as he knew, he rushed to tell her first. He wished she had known first. Yeah. But consequently, that meant that he was so busy wanting to express himself, he didn't give her the chance. And you do have to, with that chapter and the preceding one, just wonder if he'd been able to step back a little bit, if he'd been able to give her time and actually demonstrate improved behaviours, just what could have happened? She's starting to think, oh, well, he only did it for me. And she's in this sort of quandary of, what sort of favours is he after from me? Is this now an obligation? So it's now undermined the pleasure that she has received. She considers it nonsense, a mere trifling and gallantry, but would not allow herself to show half the displeasure she felt. She still did not know how to suppose him serious, and she refers to it as an insult. She was agitated, happy, miserable, infinitely obliged, there's that word, obliged, absolutely angry. She tells him, don't think of me. You are not thinking of me. I know it is all nothing. To him, it seems just her modesty. To his sanguine and pre-assured mind, she's happy about William. She would think of it forever and forget all the rest and hope basically that this is an aberration. Mr. Crawford is also excited and a little bit out of his head and will forget about it, but how wrong she is. And really, so the day's been spoiled for her now. She can't. Is Edmund there? No, Edmund is away. So there's no buffer, is there? There is absolutely no buffer. The way that he talks to her and any other man, it would have meant something very earnest and very pointed. But she still tried to believe it no more than what he might often have expressed towards her cousins and 50 other women. How could she have excited serious attachment in a man who had seen so many and been admired by so many, and flirted with so many, infinitely her superiors. She refers to him as someone who thought slightly, carelessly, and unfeelingly on all such points, who was everything to everybody, and seemed to find no one essential to him. She would not be interested in that. She wants someone that is going to see her importance, particularly because she hasn't been treated as important most of her life. She doesn't want to be another doormat. Literally, all she can remember is his behaviour to her cousins, which distressed her. Quite rightly. And his behaviour after they left just really came across as gallantry. She did not recognise that anything was growing in, in him in terms of regard. She thought it was just his manner. Because he is a pleasant gentleman, so he can be quite pleasant. He was never unpleasant, he just tended to ignore her because he was too busy having fun with the cousins. So there's no time for her to see his behaviour having changed, truly changed, and that she was influencing it. You've also got Mary in the sideline, who's not actually helping his case at all. She's putting Fanny's back up. She does write the letter to Fanny, and Fanny says, I have seen too much of Mr Crawford not to understand his manners. Clearly saying, I've seen your brother misbehave, I know he's not serious right now. And says it would be a great favour of you never to mention the subject again. They both ignore this. She's very clearly said, I don't believe this. Also, I'm uncomfortable. Please stop. 
But because he's so charming and rich, and wouldn't everybody want to marry him? Well, not only that, of course, in the next chapter we see the next step he chooses to take. If he was a wise man now, he'd be giving her a bit of space and actually giving her an opportunity to see him behave differently. Unfortunately, that's not what he does. This love of his has grown over three or four weeks. He may well have seen her as the quiet mouse. And he did comment, I think, in an early chapter about how she was always so patient and her gentleness. And he's always seen that. But he's always ignored her previously. Remember the comment about the dancing as well? Mm. He took it as a matter of fact that she was there as opposed to actually remembering seeing her be there. It is a shame. Things could have been so different. But also, we want Fanny to get a happy ending rather than Henry Crawford. This really is, though, where Fanny shows her strength, which I think is where the modern audience tends to suffer. One of the complaints that has been in the readership for years about Fanny is that she's insipid. She has no backbone. But here she is very clear, I don't want to marry him. And she sticks to that. For someone in her position, that's that's huge. It's a very brave thing to do, and he's not in it. I mean, she could have been matched up with a 50-year-old drunkard. And being forced to marry him. He's not a bad choice. It's just not her choice. And that is our summary of Chapter 31 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening, and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!